Welcome to Straight Edge, the podcast. My name is Clive Allwright, and along with my amazing guests and co-hosts, we're going to be having some brutally honest and sometimes confronting conversations around all things of addictive behavior. Now, as it happens, I've been a hairdresser for 37 years, and during my career, I've met many people just like me that have also struggled in the many different areas of addiction. So our main focus of this podcast is to chat with as many people as possible from the hairdressing, barbering, and media industries, along with some pretty smart people that work in the fields of addiction to get a deeper understanding of why so many of us struggle with the balance of family, careers, health, and the day-to-day pressures of life. So if this sounds like an area you'd like to dive deeper into, make a cup of tea, sit back, and listen to Straight Edge, the podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Straight Edge, the podcast. My name's Clive, and I'm joined today, but not only of my lovely host, which is upstairs, currently right now, we're on Riverside FM. Amy, it's great to see you on the screen. Nice to see you too, darling. How are you downstairs? <laughs> I am very well. This is so good. I love technology. But what well, I'm really excited today because I've got a friend of ours who's joining us for all the way from Los Angeles. He's our first international guest on the Ooh. podcast. Ooh. Yes. I have I'm known excited. I have known Peter for many years. He's and he's a great, I mean, he's, he's an incredible inspiration to me for the way that he's not just changed and pivoted his career and just got incredible success. Um, but he was the very first person that actually took me to a 12-step meeting in Los Angeles over 23 years ago. I think it was 22 years ago. And <laughs> Wow. So the seed for me to to get into and do it took me a long time to actually f- to follow Pete in, but Pete, I, I just can't say it's great to see your face. Welcome. Welcome. I've got a list of stuff in front of me. You know, not not only are you an incredible inspiration for me in sobriety, but you are the co-host of the Netflix uh, show Stay Here. You've built an incredible real estate uh, company with Cindy in your wife Cindy in Los Angeles called PLG Estates. And to, as if that wasn't enough, you've had 30 number ones as a music producer prior to getting into real estate. So, mate, talk about pivot and be successful. It's great to have you on. Well, it's my absolute pleasure to be here, Clive. You know that I have a very, very big soft spot for you. And we are going to get into swapping stories later because <laughs> yeah. Clive, Clive did come to my wedding in Vietnam. Uh, yeah, he did, told me all about that. I don't think it ended well for him. <laughs> it, it was, uh, you know what? It was. I don't know how it ended up when you got back to Australia, but I cherish some of those memories, man. I mean, uh, yeah, they were great, dude. It and was, her hair was just oh my god, Cindy's hair was spectacular. Oh, <laughs> it's, it's, so thank, nice. Thank you, mate. Thank you. It was great to. It was great to be there. It was great to be there. Was a very tight group of friends that went it to. Was. You know, yeah. with Dave and, and Tony that went up there. And it was great to be there to be part of, uh, I mean, it was an incredible wedding as well. It was a big, big number, wasn't it? It was like a it Hollywood was. production. It was, it was a big production. Cast the thousands. Wow. <laughs> so how yeah, do you, tell, um, tell, why don't you tell all of us and me, like, how do you guys actually know each other then? Where did, where did that start? So we, I, did I meet you in Australia? I did, right? No, I met you first in LA towards oh. the end of, you know, I, I, met, I met you in Red Rock. My friends in Australia get, said, you know, when Pete lived in Australia, you've got to track this guy down in LA. And of course, it was amazing. I, I got to LA and I met you in a bar 
and obviously (laughs) (laughs) that's how long ago it was it was uh, i met you in uh, red rock in red rock on sunset oh mate there's been so many casualties from that bar oh my god a lot of people are dead now (laughs) no way oh yeah wow it was 23 years ago so some of them were old anyway but um but yeah i mean there were some people that it, that it ended very badly for them because they didn't get I off mean, the bus. Uh, but even no, was it the guess. owner, Steve? I think Steve passed away, didn't he? Did the he owner. Die? No, I don't think so. I think so. I, I don't know. My goodness. But I think from what yeah. I heard, I mean, I wasn't going to use his name, but I suppose you did. Um, yeah. He, I heard that he ended up in Skipton in a in a senior citizens' home. With like no memory. Oh, shame, man. That's not good, is it? So you guys have known each other. See, gosh, it's just crazy, isn't it? Well, this just shows kind of what substance abuse can do to do to all of us, and why it's so important to get off it, right? So, where's what? What happened for you then, Pete? I mean, tell us. Let's go right back to the beginning. Where are you from? I know you're living in, from, a, in fabulous la-la land now, but you're clearly not from there. <laughs> I'm, I'm from uh, just outside Beverly Hills. No, I'm from, uh, uh, I'm from the arse end of Leeds, uh, which I know that you know Leeds because you probably went clubbing in the warehouse there. I did. Uh, my sister went to uni there. I know it very well. Yep. I had my 16th. No, was it my 15th? Anyway, I can't remember. My 15th birthday, I think I had in the warehouse. But anyway... Um, yeah, from Leeds was a, uh, uh, I guess, I don't want to sound like, uh, you, could you swear on this podcast? You yeah, can, sure. love, yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah so, yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like a complete tosser, but I guess I was always a bit of a high achiever. And I was a very, I, I was a, uh, at, a, at a young age, I, I mean, you might not even know this, Clive, but I was um, a bit of a prodigy on the classical trombone, of all things. And I was <laughs> I know, can you believe it? Sorry, I shouldn't laugh because, like, you should be very proud of yourself, but, like, (laughs) I've never met anyone that's played a trombone. That's so random, especially for Leeds. Well, there's a lot of brass bands in Leeds, remember? There's a a lot of brass bands in Leeds. Oh, that's true. I think being a high achiever comes with wanting to escape, which for me is where drugs and alcohol kind of, they were my best friend. When I was a kid, you know, I I, I grew up, like, in a bit, bit of a rough area, rough school and I just you either got into soccer or you got into you know gangs or drugs or music or something so I escaped into music my my family my father was a was a a musician um and so I wanted to kind of follow in his footsteps and I just kind of flew through it you know I did it addictively and then I got um uh like a free scholarship to the Royal College of Music I was playing with these bands, with these orchestras. And then I was, I don't know, 14, something like that, 14 or 15. And I was playing with musicians who are a lot older than me. And of course, in England, you go clubbing, right? You go clubbing. When you're old enough, when you look 18, you can start going clubbing. I was 14, going on 15. And I remember being in, you'll know this one, Amy, the warehouse <laughs> in Leeds. Yeah. And I heard... Jack Your Body by Steve Silk Hurley. Yeah. And I discovered wow. I discovered Chicago House. And I literally yeah. was mesmerized. And I'm like, fuck the trombone. 
Yes. I'm gonna go do that. <laughs> yes. And so I I uh, dropped out of, dropped out of high school, moved to London when I was 15. Didn't know a soul. Literally trombone under one arm, backpack under the other. Moving to London, like yeah, clear as a bell. I know exactly what I'm doing. Got there and wow. I'm like, what the fuck? Where am I? At and then 15, I was like, man. Wow. 15. And then I went up and down Oxford Street with my trombone and my backpack going in all the clothing stores saying, give us a job. And they said, how old are you? I love it. And I'm like, I'm 18. They're like, oh, you don't look 18. Yeah. I'm 18. And I finally got a job at Henny's and Oxford Circus in the women's underwear department, which was hilarious. Obviously. And, <laughs> and then through a, through a series of mad events, I I, uh, um, I I became friends with one of the original cast of Grange Hill, right? Oh, Just met loved him. Grange Hill. Loved that show. Met him. Pongo Patterson. No, it was the good-looking guy. There was his name was Paul McCarthy. There was like Tucker, right? Remember Tucker? Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it was Tucker's yeah. best mate. Anyway, right. right. Back then he was a star, and me and him just hit it off. And he, because he was a bit of a celeb, he had uh, uh, passes to all the nightclubs. So within like six weeks of getting to London, I had a VIP pass for the Hippodrome, VIP pass for the Limelight, VIP pass yeah. for Stringfellas, because yeah. he was from Yorkshire. So it was like, yeah, good to see some of the old folk in here. Some of the old Yorkshire <laughs> folk. Um, and I'm like, so what the fuck happened? Wow. And... and I was in this club called the Mud Club, which was London's version of Studio yeah. 54. And yeah. I was a regular, you know, I loved it. It was trannies and it was, you know, gay, straight, mixed. It was just like not leads. And it was just yeah. fantastic. I loved it. And I, I, I happened to be in the lighting booth um, with this guy called Mark Moore, who was doing the lights at the Mud Club. And he goes, here, Peter, you play piano, right? I'm like, yeah. He goes, do you know how to work computers? I'm like, yeah. And I didn't. He said, great, you're in the band. And then I was in NS, NS, I was in NS Express. Wow. And shut up. Yeah. No I did way. not know that. Yeah. What is going on here? <laughs> yeah. Like, you clearly Whoa. have a very strong destiny because to just, like, <laughs> land all this on your feet, love, like, what is that like, about? It gets even more mental, right? It gets more mental um, because, all right, it. fuck it. I'm just going to tell you the real juicy shit. I'm just going to talk it. about this. We love it. So I then got a job in a studio, right? I left Henny's, got a job in a studio, and the the geezer said to me, he said, do you know your way around a mixing board? I'm like, yeah, of course I do. Of course <laughs> I do. He said, good, because my chief engineer just left. I'm like, great. Sign me up. Oh I didn't know God. how to I'm fucking like, turn uh, it on. Uh, so <laughs> so I, I'm in this studio, the newly anointed chief engineer of Berwick Street Studios. You joke. Right? This is ridiculous. And I'm like, yeah, I love it. I'm like, okay, great. Now, because I'd played in a lot of bands, I knew my way around instruments, I knew how they should sound. Yeah. I kind of knew my way around microphones, but mixing boards were a little bit of a, I didn't yeah. know. Yeah. So I remember the first session, um, standing there looking at these endless 
you know, <laughs> it was like, as long as like our street. And I'm like, what the fuck? And then I remember somebody <laughs> saying, you plug something in one end and it pops out the other and you do this and you do that and da 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 da. So I'm just like, you know, full on like, you know, just pretending I know what I'm doing. Guitarist's in there going like this, there's no sound. There's no sound. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like something's up with your guitar, mate. I'm like, plugging all the cables in. Like, just frantically, <laughs> frantically plugging all the cables in. And then I go, your guitar, it's fucked up. Bang! And then I plug it in a hole and it comes through and I'm like, whatever you did, whatever you did, it was great. Just leave the settings the way they are. And I managed to just, you know, wing it. Wing it all the way through my sessions. I just love it. I love it. Uh, um, And then I guess I'm getting to 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 the addiction part. But, you know, I guess you're right. I mean, the next thing I'm going to tell you is even more mental. So it was a B, it was like, it wasn't like Air Studios, like where the Beatles recorded. It was a B-level studio. So all of the dance people recorded there. And, um, you know, I worked with some of the, you know, names that became like gods when they were brand new. Uh, And of course the names are escaping me. Uh, But one Sunday, this guy booked the studio and he said, right. He said, I'm coming down. And he said, I'm like, great, I'll be your chief engineer. And uh, uh, he came down the steps. By this time, I'd figured everything out and I'd actually built quite a really a loyal client base. And a lot of my clients yeah. had started having hits in the dance music world. Anyway, this guy comes down the stairs. His name was Andros. And I did this horrible song for him. It was his song. It was shite. His artist was shit. And, but I, <laughs> I, I still put my heart and soul into it. And uh, he said, you're not an engineer. You're a producer. And I said, I am. And he said, yes, you are. And I'm going to manage you. And I'm like, okay. And he said, and I'm going to bring someone to the studio tomorrow and you can't freak out. I'm like, okay. Uh, So this was the next morning, Monday morning. He said, be at the studio at eight o'clock. This was 1989, maybe 1990, probably 89, right? Um, I hadn't been in London for two minutes, maybe a, maybe a year, maybe two tops. Who comes down the stairs? Fucking George Michael. No. In be- yes. <laughs> right. In between. This was my after- missus is gonna go mental uh, when she. This is, is ridiculous. <laughs> Whatever it true. is that you're. Whatever it is that you have taken, I'm having a little bit, right? Well, Stop taking it 22 <laughs> years ago. But, yeah. So he comes down the stairs and I just, um, I was like, oh, fuck. And there's wow. me, Andros and George. I'm like, this is the biggest male artist in the world at the moment. In between Faith, before Listen Without Prejudice. Wow. And I just started fucking Mental. around, having a good time. And anyway, cut a long story short, I ended up living with Andros. And because of, of this whole clique that I was in, that's where I got Happy Mondays. That's where I got um, In Excess. That's where I got, you know, a lot of these wow. massive bands that I worked with and had really big hits. Now, this is where it gets a bit messy. Yeah. Because in the early 90s, right, if you remember at the explosion of like Acid House and uh, Clubs, yeah. Uh, especially with bands like the Happy Mondays, who were just always off their tits. Yeah, it was 
kind of looked upon that you could be super rock and roll and nobody would bat an eyelid if you were drinking in the studio at 10 o'clock, maybe doing a few lines, you know, smoking a few blunts. And I'm like, I've hit the fucking jackpot. Yeah. Because I'm, yeah. I'm in music. I'm doing music I love. I'm going to clubs. I'm working with these artists. But unfortunately, what happened was the fingers of addiction began to kind of take over. And I remember yeah. thinking about where I was meant to be. Instead of thinking about the job I was on in the studio, and I was working with big artists, I was thinking about what club I'm going to tonight. And I was thinking about drugs. Yeah, wow. and then it's crazy. Those two things swapped places. Yeah. The drugs became, you know, I, I guess I was naive and delusional and I was like, oh, it's okay, I'm rock and roll. But now nah, it was it was addiction mm. and 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 um I I remember funny enough, Clive, I was on Oxford Street. Tell me if I'm just talking at you. I hope I'm not. No, I'm no, it's fabulous. absolutely loving this. Okay. I remember because my brother lives in uh, he used to live in uh, Paddington in Sydney. Uh, yeah. on yeah. Bent on Bent Street, which I always loved. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. loved stuff like that. Yeah. Anyway, go on. <laughs> and uh and I had a wonderful time in Sydney and I almost stayed. Um but I remember being in like maybe a block away from the Burdekin. And yeah. I remember thinking I was an alcohol. I was, you know, staying with Dave, right? You remember I, I was in Sharkhead's place yeah. in Surrey Hills. <laughs> yeah. And I called. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Dave. We love you. (laughs) Dave's a big part of the story. No, I know, and mine too. Yeah, Yeah. Zoom nearly took me down, mate. Anyway, um, and I called AA in Australia because I'm like, I have these feelings, these. You know, I'm craving shit all the time, and I, I knew I would love mm. beer and drinking, but I'm like, I, I'm, I'm like jonesing. So I call. I was 26, and I called AA in Sydney, and this old, gruff, gritty old bastard got on the phone, and I said, "Hello, hello, is that AA?" And and <laughs> he said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, it is." And I'm like okay, well, I, I, I don't really know what I'm doing and I, and I think I might be an alcoholic. And he said these words, well, are you an alcoholic or are you not an alcoholic? And I said, well, I don't really know. And he said, well, I suggest you go out and fucking drink some more and find out. I'm like, okay, great. Wow. wow. Click. Click. Wow. I hung up. Crazy. And I went Crazy. on a bender for seven years. Seven God. years. No, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. No, no. Um, you but know, that's I did practice. That's not good practice. It's it, old right? school, right? It's old school. Um, and then when I moved to LA, you know, I, I, I came here and I'm like, great new start. I don't know any clubs. I don't know any drug dealers. I don't know anything. Yeah. You know, I'm going to be great. Clean start. Clean start. Pete, clean start. And I managed to, I guess here's another one. I walked in a manager's office uh, and I said, you got any albums? He said, yeah, I got the new Terrence Trent Derby album, actually. 
I'm like, okay, great, I'll do that then. <laughs> it just, I don't know, fucking happenstance, right? Wow. And that took a year and a half. So I had income, uh, but within a month of being in LA, I knew all the after hours, all the dirty, gritty after hours. I knew, mm. uh, there used to be this place called, um, uh, I forget what it was called. Do you remember that place on, on Pico? Where mm-hmm. Mousetrap used to be called Mousetrap. Yeah. And you could go in. You, it opened at 2 a.m. Because that's what time bars and clubs close here. Yeah. You go in. You, you order your drinks. And you get a gram of Coke with a playing card mm. on a little mirror. And I'm like, here wow. we go again. Wow. Yeah. <clears throat> Can't escape yeah. it. Yeah. It was dark. It was dark. And yeah. bless my, my, my old partner that I, I then got a partner and I did dance records here. That's who I had 30, 30 number ones with. Well, I had about 18 with Richard and 12 on my own. Mm. But, um, you know, he never did a drug in his life. Never, never smoked. Never did nothing. Mm. And, and I just, I had to leave the music business to get sober. I re- that's when I moved to LA when you towards the end of your drinking mm. um and I remember um and I hope you don't mind me saying this but no. you know we we were good when I and I episode one of this podcast is my story and I talk quite openly about doing geographicals to run away from the from the carnage and when I got to LA I met you and I was like, oh, great. I found a friend that we can we can drink with. And then I remember clearly the day you turning around to me and saying, if I don't stop drinking, the doctors told me I'm going to die. Um, I'm, in a, I'm in a pretty bad way. And I remember Tony and Dave coming up to LA and they were meant to stay with you. And they rang me up and they said, we've opened Pete's front door and all the beer bottles fell over. They were lined up down the hallway. And, you know, his, his fridge had stopped break. His fridge had stopped working. So he had these eskies to keep his beer in, the coolers. And um, and they were like, Pete's not in a good way. Mm. And uh, and uh, I, that was my first understanding of, you know, how how this can really get us all. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it was fun until so it wasn't fun. At, at the end, Pete, like, were you... Were you was it a case of like drink as soon as you woke up or was it just wait till the clubs open and it was party all night or, and was it every day? Oh, every day without doubt. Um, mm. It got to the point where would I drink for breakfast? No, most days, but I did do this and this is the madness of addiction. Uh, Red Rock, which thank God Red mm. Rock existed because it took me down quick. You know, it yeah. made the end come quicker because it was owned by a guy from Skipton who just let us have yeah. havoc. In fact, he named yeah. the upstairs bar Lorimer's Love Lounge because I was such a regular there. Wow. And, and when I got sober, <laughs> when I got sober, they took the plaque down that said Lorimer's Love Lounge, poured an eight ball on it and all did lines in my honor of getting sober. <laughs> That's how fucked <laughs> up it was. But... Yeah. It got to the point where I was at the bar every day by noon. By I noon. remember that. Because I lived around the corner. And I, I always knew if I walked up about two o'clock, you'd, you'd be a few deep by that stage and we could yeah. all have a laugh. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, at 12 o'clock, give or take, I would be there. And I'd say the same thing to myself over and over again. 
which was, uh, I'd be working on a record at that time. I had a studio in my house and I'd be like, eh, I can go to the pub, have a couple of pints, have a sandwich and then go back and work. Mm-hmm. Out of the four or five years that I lived in that spot, I maybe did that twice. The rest of the time, I would literally put back, you know, 12 to 20 pints, wait till five o'clock, you know, get a little bit of scratch and then kind of go off into oblivion and then wake up the next day and go and swear I was never going to do it again. But then, you know, by 12 o'clock, I was doing it again. You know, it was... it was it was lonely. It was, mm. and, and I was drinking with these guys, and they were great guys. They were like guys that were the cinematographer on the Bond movies, a, uh, a, yeah. uh, one a, uh, a set designer that did all these epic movies for Laurence Olivier, like people that had won fucking Oscars and shit. But at the yeah. end of the day, we were all the same, and I was yeah, the youngest yeah. guy there by a lot, mm. and I just mm. saw my future sitting down that bar, nothing against them. They're all dead now. Nothing Gosh. against them. Yeah. But I was like, and, 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 and for me, addiction, it wasn't like I just went, oh, great. I'm, I'm going to get sober tomorrow and it's all going to be great. Mm-hmm. You know, I joined uh, AA here in LA, which is great. And I was like, you know, I got a week and then went out. And then I got 30 days and went out. And then I got nine months and went out. And then I think this is, this time is time number, it's certainly eight or nine. Mm. You know, it took, it took years of experimenting with, with, uh, with uh, a 12-step program for it to actually stick. Yeah. And then when it stuck, I remember thinking, it just felt, it felt different. Because I remember on August the 19th, 2001, I got back from a bender at Red Rock. It was like 11 in the morning. All I had left in my fridge, which was working at that time, were a couple of Coors lights. (laughs) And I remember pounding one of the Coors lights and then pounding the second one. And then I lifted my head skyward and I said, God, help me for fuck's sake, because I can't take this anymore. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. At that moment, it was mm-hmm. divine intervention. I think I was yep. certainly admitting to my innermost self that I was an addict. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of this 12 step stuff mm-hmm. started bubbling up get a sponsor, go to a meeting, you know, take commitment. So it was, it was like autopilot. So I went yep. to a meeting. I got a sponsor who's still my sponsor today. I got. Tons of commitments. I went to two meetings a day and I'm like, I just need to utterly close the door on my previous life to make sure that, because I'm a man of extremes. I'm very binary. I'm all or nothing. It's like, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to go all in a thousand miles an hour. And I joined uh, my 12-step program. Really, I was like, great, let's get this out of the way. I'm going to do it how they tell me instead of trying to do it my way. I'm going to go a thousand miles an hour so that I'm ultimately going to fail and I'll show them, see, it doesn't work. (laughs) That's that's exactly the process that I went through. I was just going to say, Clive, it's like that part is like listening to you, right? 
And uh, I, I kept going every day to prove to prove to myself that it wasn't for me. <laughs> Thankfully, I'm still here. Yeah. 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 Sorry. Sorry, Pete. Carry on. That's brilliant. No, no. And then, it, it, you know, I remember when I was counting days and I was I will say this for my brothers and sisters that are in a 12 step program. When I was counting days. Right. Because no, I don't know anybody who came into a into AA with like, you know, super great, like self-esteem, feeling good. Just want to put the drugs and alcohol down. It's like mm. you put your self-esteem in a microwave for 15 minutes and hit full. <laughs> I remember these yeah. two these two or three blokes that came up to me when I was counting days of sitting at the back like, you know, like a deer in the headlights. And I had identified as a newcomer. And these two or three guys for the first like week or five or five to ten days said, hey, Pete, what day are you on? And I'm like, oh, day four. They're like, good job, man. Good job. Keep coming back. It's good to see you here. That was a little ember of something. Because, again, I'm yeah. like, Nobody's going to speak to me. Fuck them. This is going to fail. I'm just going to pop in and then I'll go back to my life. Yeah. But because those couple of three people just gave a little ember of hope, I kept coming back. And then another guy said to me at this New York meeting, did you ever go to that one on Mansfield, Clive? No. Uh, I know. I think I did, actually. Upstairs in the church. They're all in churches. Yes, yes. Yes, yeah. yes. And this guy said to me, hey, Pete, how many days are you on? I'm like, I'm on 45. He's like, great. When you get 90, you can share. You can lead the meeting. And I'm like, fucking hell, great. Mm. And so then I got 90. Mm. And, then I, and then I just, I attacked it in a way, it, almost, pardon the pun, but very alcoholically. I'm like, let's go. Let's have it. Let's do it. I did the book. I was sponsoring guys within 30 days. I had like, 10 sponsees at three months. I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. It was like being back at the mixing board. <laughs> what am I doing? Yeah. And my, my sponsor was like, don't worry. He said, if you don't know a question, ask me. And if I don't know, God knows. So <laughs> I'm like, all right. Well, he's, he's the only hope I've got. And when I met him, I thought he was on meth or acid. Because yeah. he was wow. so out of his mind fourth dimension you're gonna be rocketed into the fourth dimension boy i'm like mm, this is this mm. is my last hope right here yeah yeah but then what happened was and, and i'm saying this to the people that might be in a 12-step program that they're like oh fuck i'm gonna to have to like sever my my life and my personality and i just don't mm. fit in and i feel so out of place whenever i go out here was my experience I'm 22 years sober now, and I have a ridiculously bountiful, undeservedly fantastic wife, uh, three beautiful children, multiple careers, multiple businesses. But when I was newly sober, like in that desert between one year, well, actually between the first year is great, right? She keep getting chips. Three, six, nine, cake, dancing girls. But then one to two... <laughs> One to two, it's a bit of a desert, right? You hit one and you're like, yeah. oh, oh, yeah. there's no, there's no like 15 month chip. Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> um, and so I remember being in that one to two going, fuck, 
my personality isn't what it used to be because I used to be funny right on. Yeah. But what happened when I, when I got sober is I literally took a cleaver to the poison tree that was my soul. I cut it down at the very root. So my soul, it was like I had a soul lobotomy. It went, my, it just left. And then I was like, fucking hell, this is awful. I'd go out and be like feeling horrid and just like out of place. And oh, it was awful going to clubs and oh, it was just dark. And then year one to two, I'm like, I felt the shoots of this new growth begin to appear inside me. And then I was like, oh, shit. And then the humor began to come back. I'm like, oh. But then all the addiction didn't. So I'm like, oh, hang on. All the funny parts of Pete are coming back. And I'm not burdened with this millstone of when am I going to get my next drink? When am I going to get my next fix? You know, I'm planning all my events around it under the guise of going out. You know, the amount of raves I went to high, I don't fucking know who played because I was in the porta potty doing lines. Yeah. Yeah. Porta potty. Off the toilet seat. Oh, yuck. Didn't care. (laughs) But now I go to raves. I'm at the front. I'm having a great time. I'm jumping up and down. And then I'm like, oh, I'm tired and sleepy. So I go home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a completely different ball game, isn't it? You know? But I think the greatest gift of all for me with sobriety is it removes, not all, but if one strives to have some faith, some conscious contact with something bigger than themselves, it begins to erode those Kilimanjaro-sized mountains of self-doubt. And for me, my self-doubt is still there, except Mm -hmm. I now know my self-doubt is a bully. It's not real. So like Mm -hmm. all bullies, if you stand up to a bully and tell it to fuck off, it leaves you alone. Yeah. I just have to do that every day. And I'm now able to trust my gut. I'm now able to know... That everything I do, I pass through a 12-step filter. Everything. Mm-hmm. I built my companies on the, on the 12 steps, right? Just replace uh, alcohol with um, whatever you want, real estate. You know, yeah. I, I am powerless over real estate and, and whatever. If you, if you, can, you can do the 12 steps on, on anything and anyone. It is the most beautiful symphonic bit of prose that I've ever read. And the freedom from bondage of self, it's like I reached a point, I don't know how many months I was in or years, but I reached a point where I'm like, fuck, if you really believe in a higher power, you never lose. Because when you lose, you win. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, fucking, game on. Right, because if you lose, like, let's say Clive opens up, like, fucking 25 air salons in Sheffield, right? Yeah. Yeah. And they all go belly up. It isn't a lose, it's a win, because it's like, great. I know Sheffield doesn't work for my high-style clientele. 
You yeah. know, it gives us yeah. the bravery to mm. to trust. And I and I, I I I feel like I've just talked at you for a long time, so I'm going to shut up and ask and let you ask some questions. No, no please it's don't. It's brilliant. Keep going. Yeah. But um, at 22 years, I go to meetings every week. I have yeah. five sponsees. Mm. Um, I pray and meditate every single day. I yeah. always strive to take the highest and best route, even if it's not in my benefit. Yeah. I trust in Mother Universe. She has become a beautiful fucking purple velvet cape that surrounds me at all moments. <laughs> I love that. I'm stealing it. I am stealing that. That's fantastic. And the more I lean into her and speak to her and trust her, it's like having chat GPT for spirituality. Um, yeah. She gives me the answers <laughs> every single day. And I married a Buddhist, so that helps. She's really yeah. mad spiritual. Um, and, and just, I, I'll give, I'll finish with this one last anecdote. I remember my mate, what was his name? Jollyan, who's a British guy here in LA, bit of a DJ. And I was maybe on day 35 and he was celebrating 18 years. And I said, Jolly, how did you do it? How did you do it? Mm. And he looked at me and he said a phrase that we hear thousands and thousands of times. But this day, it really resonated. It just said, Pete, you know, I just stayed sober for a day. And then I only decided to stay sober one more day after that. And then one more day after that. And then one more day after that, just to see what the fuck happens. And he said, here I am at 18. Yeah, it's incredible. You know? So good. And so I good. never, ever question if I'm an alcoholic. Never question it. I never question it. I know that I am. Let's go there and let's pretend I'm not. Mm. If I'm not, yeah. it's like this. I remember sitting in the pub before I'd admitted to myself that I was an alcoholic, slamming down all the pints. And I'm like, if I'm an alcoholic, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. I just don't want to know. And now, as, an, as a sober alcoholic, if I'm not an alcoholic, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah. I'm really happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I could listen to you all day, mate. You are such a, I love the raw, the honesty, you know, and, and as I said at the beginning, you kept going with AA. You took me into my first meetings and I, I, I remember distinct things that you told me earlier in the early days when I was really craving. You went, Clive, have some chocolate next to your bed. Do you remember telling me that? You went, have a dairy milk next to your bed. Because <laughs> when you wake up at two in the morning and you yeah. are craving that sugar, you should just have a bit of chocolate. Um, mm. You told me lots of things on my journey that you sowed the seed and I wish I could have stuck with it earlier. Uh, I just wasn't ready. Yeah. But I got there in the end. You planted the seed. You showed me that door was always open. And it took me a while to get through that door. And I fell through that door like this. I quite often refer to it as crossing the line in chariots of fire. I was done. I, I surrendered. And I couldn't mask it anymore. I couldn't lie to myself. As you were talking, I was having flashbacks of times of us in... I remember you taking to me... You, 
you tricked me the first time. You said, come to this meeting on Melrose. Uh, I was single at the time, and you went, it's full of pretty girls that you would see in the pub, <laughs> right? But you can just remember their name, right? <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and um, yeah, it was, and it was interesting listening to you share about, you know, three people talking to you and then growing it from there. You know, it's been amazing. We didn't even get to touch on, you know, you've got your Netflix show, Stay Here. You've built this incredible empire. But I think it's just so wonderful to listen to your raw and honest story and just Absolutely. incredible. Like George Michael. I know. Yeah. S Express. Like, what? you didn't I've know that. I've known you for years and I had no idea. Oh, no. God, well, why don't we do another <laughs> one? We can always do another one. Part, part two. I have, yeah. Yeah. Part two. I've got okay. so many questions I want to <laughs> ask you. So I, many. I just, I, like Clive said, it's just been an absolute blessing it. chatting to you and like listening to your story. And you know what gets to me every single time? I absolutely love, first of all, how passionately you speak about it. But second of all, when I listen, I'm like, yep, that's me. Yep, that was me. You know, that you know that like and Clive's the same. We are so similar that, you know, if you you're all in or you're all out, you're either you know, and like how I've been addressing my own sobriety is full force. I'm up at five thirty every day. You know, like I, I'm if there's something to be done, I'm gonna do it from, you know, as as it says, you know, because and I'm gonna just go hard. <laughs> because that's the way I am, you know, but I, I almost a lot of people who've had addiction are that way, you know? Um, and I think mm. that's the problem. You don't have the op- off button. Right. You can't turn it off, you know? <laughs> but if you can harness it, then it yeah. becomes magical. Yeah. yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? If we can obsess, yeah. maybe that's the wrong word, but if we can commit and use that single-mindedness yeah. in other mm. aspects, you know, it can yeah. really become super powerful. But yeah, let, I'd love to do another one. I feel bad that we're ending right now because all I've done is talk no. at you. No, no that's all good. Uh, but uh, it's amazing. I, I want to be very respectful of time because I know you've got a very busy schedule. So, um, yep. Pete, you're a true inspiration. I would love to get you back on. It's been a love to. Be great juxtaposition with mm. Um, mm. someone that's early on in recovery. We just had yep. someone on recently, Nick, that was on for six months. And for someone like yourself with with 22 years, is 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 purely an inspiration you've been an inspiration yeah. to me for over 22 years so yeah. it's been great amy thank you so much pete we'll look forward to speaking with you again mate go and enjoy is it memorial day over there is it <laughs> no. a public holiday in america no. oh is it okay oh well no i just got it's, you know, the... it's five o'clock here and yeah. there are like people that i have to get back to before <laughs> yeah. the day's over yeah, sounds go good for it. all right all mate right. thanks so much love you lots mate yeah Take love you lots let's do another so one anytime you want you know we could do it in in 30 days in a couple of weeks whenever you yeah. want Sounds Perfect. good. Yay. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Thanks Pete. Take care. Namaste. Namaste. Take it easy. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you guys for listening. That was, well, for me personally, it was such a great interview to listen to with Amy. I don't know how you felt about that. It's just so amazing to talk to Pete. Yeah. He's, um, I could just listen to him forever. Like, I, I, just so charismatic. I'm just so into his story. I just loved it. It was fantastic. Amazing. I agree. Guys, and don't forget to subscribe um, and give, please leave us a rating and review. And if you know of anyone yeah. or think of anyone or if you'd like to come on to our podcast, please drop us a line on our social media channels. That, again, was Straight Edge, the podcast. Thank you very much, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>